bronche, bronche. That's how we say brunch. Here's to the ladies who stay busy with their lunch. Be a queen. Be a boss. Ladies who brunch are popping off. Hey, we pop, pop, and pop it off. We, we pop, pop, pop All right. The episode's about to start. What's up, everybody? And welcome to another episode of Ladies Who Bronche. I'm Dimitra. What's good, everybody? This is Skittles. And this week, I am so fucking pumped for our guest. This woman is literally the reason why in any sort of good media that you see coming from Bronche, I look cute. She is the reason why I, I feel empowered in the way that I practice my womanhood. She is so affirming, so talented, so gorgeous. Deji, who the fuck are you? <laughs> good job. Okay, but that intro was everything. Oh, oh my gosh. Um, so my name is Deji. I also go by Day. Um, and I am an actress, dancer, spoken word poet, and also I am also working in and basically living my life in the realm of fitness nowadays. Um, so that's my uh, bread and butter, that's my bag, but also another passion that I discovered a couple years back, and that's where I live. I'm a Capricorn. I enjoy long walks on the beach and my hobbies include um, brunch and generally just being slept on. <laughs> yes, being slept on. And I have to say, you know, I can attest to that. I feel like, Deji, you are a powerhouse and I feel like because you have your hats, you wear so many different hats in different arenas, like people who don't see all the arenas don't understand yeah. that you're not just a fucking power within where they meet you, but you cover so many different areas. And like, it's so funny that you like, like you're a stylist to me, you're, you are a stylist, but I think for me, the mark of any good person who works with people around fashion or styling them is not so much how cool they make people look, but the mm -hmm. experience that people are having when they're being styled by them. And yeah. I think what I love about um, being styled by you, Deji, is that it always feels like, like, like therapy in a way, you know what I mean? It feels Aww. like it's where you're able to, you know, bring all your shit and you have all the words of encouragement and affirmation you share as well. Right. So you're not just one of yeah. those people who like takes people's stories you share as well, which makes it feel yeah. like such a, an intimate moment. And so by the time it's time to get in front of the camera and stuff, you're unknowingly like warmed up. Yeah, no, that's so real. That's so real. And I love that you just said that because like, also this is something that like, you know, in hindsight, I've been kind of doing for a while now, but I've never considered myself a stylist. It's only like since recently, you guys have like been calling me that, that I'm like, oh, wait, hold up. Let me, <laughs> oh, let me put that on the resume. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> but it's something that like what you just said about like, having those genuine interactions and how important they are when you're on a set is so real because I have a friend, um, shout out to Nathan, who is a stylist and that's how we met. We met on set and he was my stylist. Mm. And that was literally that energy and that you know interaction was like how comfortable we made each other feel right off the bat. So when I was ready to shoot, I was like ready to go. And every mm -hmm. time I would go onto a set and I would see him or he was like the stylist that was on set, I would get so hyped. Like, I'm like, oh, this is going to be a bomb shoot. Like, because he was just such a vibe. So I love that I'm doing that for somebody else. 
So thank you. Yes. 100%. And Deji Skittles, I don't know if I told you this, but uh, Deji is about to play Shenzi for a Clubhouse first, like, performance of Lion King. So she auditioned. Oh, I'm so, <laughs> so excited. I'm for so those excited. And for those who don't know, Shenzi is the hyena who Whoopi Goldberg voices in the original uh, film. And (laughs) I just have to say, I'm so proud of my girl. Um, And that whole audition was a whole orchestration because I was like, I went there just to watch Deji audition. (laughs) But like, it it was like a four hour audition process altogether. And so she was at work and I was all up in there. And then I was like, fuck, now I'm on the audition too because I've been in this room. So I might as well fucking audition. But just because I was so invested in Deji getting cast in this thing, just because I, you know, I, I just think like when you're in spaces like Clubhouse, and we've talked about Clubhouse quite a bit uh, this season, it's important to know that like we can fully take up space in, in Clubhouse, even though we're not uh, Meek Mill or we're not Joe Budden and these people who like have these rooms with hundreds and hundreds of people at a time, but we're here, we're talented. And so it was really, what was really affirming to me was not only that Deji got cast, but that I was in another room and they just happened to be talking about Deji. And I was like, you know, that's my girl. And they were like, nah, 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 for real. And then, you know, what I like about Clubhouse, they went to that page and they were like, oh shit, you do know how I'm like, yeah, that is my people's. And so it's like, <laughs> to me, it's like the validation of like, yeah, she's hot shit. She's about to pop off, but you ain't the one who knew her oh, first. But that's my here. friend. We family first. <laughs> y'all not about to take my girl like and just act <laughs> like y'all discovered her. Nah, like she brought the gift to y'all, not the other way around. So I'm really, really excited for that moment and just for the continued glow up and growth that you've had, Deji, overall. So thank so you, babe. Oh my god. <laughs> No, for real. That's amazing. Thank you so much. And like, honestly, like I love, um, cause I'm all about it too, but I love how hard y'all love on me. Cause that is everything. So I it's a reciprocation, it. sis. It's you a reciprocation. Know. Know. <laughs> Period. <laughs> all right, Daisy. Well, we're going to start you off with our brunch questions. And our first question is when you go out to brunch with your girls, Mm-hmm. What are you? What is your brunch bebida? What is your go-to brunch drink? So first of all, I'm always gonna have um, like mimosa me down, period. But also light skin mimosa me down because yeah. there's a difference, you know. Yeah. Um, like, are you three a parts? Are you a fan of vodka? No, like, I've never done that. Issa Rae does like more part, more part, more part champagne than orange juice and then like a splash of vodka. Oh, get out of here. She's crazy. So the thing is, no, legit. And also vodka gives me headaches. But um, no, I'm like, I love just the champagne. Give me like a spritz of orange juice. That's it, period. But I also feel like anything that I'm already drinking, champagne amplifies it. Mm-hmm. And it's very heady, so it makes me feel even more like, you know, kind of like a drunken high. And if I'm not doing um, mimosas, light skin mimosas, I'm doing um, either anything with ginger. So a dark and stormy is my shit. So yes. what goes in is ginger because... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, West Indian people, them love them ginger. Yes. So ginger, and then you have a rum, 
of course, and then um, bitters, I believe is in there. And I can't remember what else. It might be another ingredient in there, but it's amazing. Yes, love a good dark and uh, well, me. So good. Was, who was the first person that I tasted a dark and me Yes, at my birthday spot. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. So good. The best place that I ever had a dark and stormy was there's a spot on the Upper East Side. And I know how it sounds because the Upper East Side usually doesn't like isn't known for like having good spots to like go to whatever. But it was a restaurant and slash bar, like an Indian place. And they had the dark and stormy um, with a sugar cane in it like as the garnish mm. so you know caribbean people and their sugar cane so yeah you know, i would drink my dark and stormy and like the sugar cane was like in my tree after i'd be there like yes <laughs> i love that love <laughs> so when you go out to brunch with the girls what's your go-to plate so prior to me being vegetarian it was always chicken and waffles love 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 a chicken and waffles um now i don't even know what i yeah, like probably like pancakes. If it's a carb, then chances are I'm probably eating it. Nice. Mm. Probably. I love I like that balance of sweet and like savory. You How know? long have you been vegetarian? Um, honestly, since right before the shutdown, since right before March. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So relatively new. Like, so yeah. you haven't, haven't even, yeah, no, 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 not even. Yeah, I mean, that's it. Yeah. Oh, I made a little faux chicken and waffle with my okay. mushroom. I figured out how to make a little um, fake fried chicken with my portobello mushrooms. So yeah. I've, been, had, I've made like my little um, faux Popeye's chicken sandwich with it already. <laughs> like, I, yo, I mean, I love a little substitution that feels and tastes like the real thing, but also like that flavor is so important. And that's really what it is to me. And portobello mushrooms, if you don't know this, are like the best for that because they hold the flavor and the spices really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, that's always, that's always like, if I were to, when we did our vegan challenge and like, if I've ever tried to be vegetarian, yeah. my thing is the fried chicken. Like chicken wings is what would get me. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. And you just bread it the same way and like, you know, prepare it the same way, throw it in a little pan, fry it up. And it literally looks just like fried chicken strips, the um, the portobello. And it tastes amazing. It's bursting with flavor because, you know, it just holds it. Yeah, see, that's that dedication, though, that you have to have to be able to like prepare things that remind you of what you left behind. And I just don't like I know how yeah. to cook. I'm a good cook. But I don't be having patience for recipes and doing all that. So I'm like, damn, that I'm just straight up going to eat the greens and do what I know how to do with the greens. <laughs> I'm not going to get innovative with the greens. I <laughs> feel the you. I feel um, but that's really dope. So Deji, tell us, yes. what was it like uh, going out to eat when you were growing up? Um, It was an event. Like every time we went out to eat, it was such an event. Like um, I am cut from a very bougie stock. So (laughs) both my parents are bougie AF. Like my mom um, is the definition of classy bougie ratchet. Um, My dad, um, this is like something that like Jamaicans say is like um, when somebody's like dressed really well and like decked to the nines, it's like um, they dress up like chicken foot. 
Like, <laughs> cause you ever see the chicken feet? Like when the chicken steps out, they be like, yeah, three little. <laughs> so like that's what that basically that's the energy they give it. <laughs> yeah, when they get dressed up, and so like that's one thing that like my mom always used to describe my dad, and like it was to the point where like if my dad was taking us out to eat, right, um. And my sister and I would come downstairs. If my clothes were wrinkled, my dad is sending me right back upstairs to iron my clothes. <clears throat> wow. I don't care how late we are. Like, it was all about presentation and how you show up in a space. Like, and that was instilled in me from when I was a kid to the point where, like, I can't do it now. I Like, I almost wore a different t-shirt today and the shit wasn't ironed, but I didn't have time. So I was like, I can't wear that. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so it was always an event. We used to go to the Sizzla. Yes, same. That was the spot. Like that was like our um what's the <laughs> like the sizzler equivalent? Like what's the bougie sizzler equivalent? Like um Shit. I'm trying to think because I'm so caught up on the buffet part. I'm like I don't know. Bougie that was buffet. our Ruth Chris. Yeah. <laughs> the sizzler was our Ruth Chris, and we would go there after every big event, like a graduation, a christening, yep. like anything. Like we would be at their sizzler, and that was like such a treat for us. So yeah, yes. there really was something the sizzler was sizzler for my family, and then the other place we used to go to a lot was Ponde Rosa. That was oh, in yes. co-op. Yes, I remember that. Um, which is now where the BBQs is at. That spot used to be right. like a Sizzlers pretty much. And growing. you know, the Sizzler was right on, um, right off Purdy. And oh, like, right here. Yeah, where yeah. it's now a Golden Corral. Now mm -hmm. it's a Golden Corral. Trash. Yep. Just as I thought, trash. Right. But, <laughs> like, I've, and I've heard bad things about that Golden Corral, so. I haven't even been yet. No. I really live up the block. But no, I you tried it? I had it. Um, I had it the night of the, that we had the premiere party and it was like, it wasn't horrible, <laughs> but it wasn't like, cause I had been built up to, oh my God, they're building a golden corral. I had never mm -hmm. heard of a golden corral before. So it was built up and then I was just like, but then even the cashier was giving me the disclaimer of like, Oh well, because the the buffet is not open. This isn't how it usually is. Da, 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 before they even gave us the food, like oh, yeah, so, we already so you already set up for like kind of disappointment. Yeah, and it just really was like Kennedy's quality mac and cheese, mm. like Kennedy's quality mashed potatoes. Because it wasn't the Sizzler. <laughs> the, <laughs> That's a fact. The trip was good. I liked the. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes i feel like it's so hard to mess up mess up shrimp but i also went to a place where they like overdid the shrimp and i was like come on i'm like this is so hard to do how did you do this how did you manage to do this yeah but i also got my dinner 50 percent off because you know we saw um a cucaracha in the restaurant so there's that Ooh, uh -huh. not i'm not gonna cucaracha. name no name Right. I'm not going to say what restaurant it was that because that's crazy. Wow. But it's some place that I used to go to all the time. And I'm like, I um, love that place because it's like one of those places that it's like just the right amount of ghetto. Mm. Yeah. You need that. Like you, <laughs> you need that. Like it's, it's, it's bougie, but you need the classy and the bougie and the ratchet. Yes. Yeah. The formula, yes. right? Two parts uppity and like one part 
Yes, that's the balance for the music, <laughs> which it makes me even think of, I still haven't seen the video or the commentary, but apparently there was a restaurant owner this week that was like mad because they were playing uh, back that ass up, but then people started like twerking in the restaurant during brunch. And he was like, it's not that kind of establishment. It's not like a dance spot. You're not supposed to do that. Yeah. Like, why do, why do people have to show up like that? And the backlash was like, bro, why are you playing back that ass up and don't expense? Expect people to back that ass up. Like what that you, tells me is this is someone that just doesn't understand right. the impact that that right. song has on a culture. He's <laughs> out of touch. And what this really comes down to is just a big misunderstanding. <laughs> oh no, no, you misunderstood. That song is an instructional song. So uh, as law-abiding citizens, we back that up Thank that's you what we much. do period <laughs> <laughs> so deji tell us what is your favorite bochinche topic your little gossip topic that you like to discuss over brunch um i think my favorite is always going to be relationships mm -hmm. like i love knowing like outside of like like first we'll do like all the updates right because i'm like something um fills my heart like when I hear about like my people doing good or doing well and like celebrating all those little wins and things like that. But I'm always going to want to hear about, so what happened? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like I'm always <laughs> here for that. Um, maybe because I'm always the person that I feel like I always got something to say around that topic too. So there's also that. Cause I'm like, you know, everybody's giving their updates and I'm like, Ooh, when is my turn? Yeah. <laughs> Wait till I hear this. I love it. I agree. I love talking about relationships. So never, never tired of that. Because yeah. plenty. And we're actually going to talk about that later on today. So we're going to get into it. We're going to get into it. Awesome. Okay, so now it's time to get into our cheers to the ladies who section where we shout out dope people doing dope shit. And we are shouting out Mariah Carey today for putting out her yeah. Merry Christmas special, right? Her Mariah Carey Christmas special. But the big highlight was this collaboration that she had with Jennifer Hudson and Ariana Grande. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, I liked it. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Um, it has me listening to the song. Um, this is this is what I think, though. Okay, here we go. Um, first <laughs> off, I thought it was a missed opportunity to come out with an original song that could be a new Christmas classic. Agreed. Um, because they, it is a remix of a song that Mariah Carey released like two years ago. So it's it's one of her songs, and she just added Jennifer Hudson and Ariana Grande onto it. So I thought it was a missed opportunity to put out original music. Um, I didn't even realize that. Yeah. And I also just feel like she misused the voices that she had. Like Ariana yes. Grande, it's obviously, it's obviously a big deal for Ariana Grande. Ariana Grande has always been compared to Mariah. So mm -hmm. I get that this is a moment for Ariana Grande. And I get that Mariah could be like sunning her in the same in the section of like, in the of like definitely you, sunning her <laughs> you can't tell who's singing what you know ariana doesn't really get to belt until the ending she does the really like whispery like soft vocals like she really she was trying to, to be respectful 
Yeah. It made, yeah. <laughs> and it made her blend with Mariah. Like, really, you couldn't tell who was singing what. And so I get why she would do that for Ariana, but I feel like if you're going to do that for Ariana, then get somebody like Demi Lovato to be the other girl. Don't do J-Hud like that. Like, right. J-Hud, she has an Oscar. You know, she was Effie, all right? Don't yes. make her Effie. Yes. She you made Effie. her the Effie of Christmas. She Effied her. Christmas Effie. You're right. The Christmas Effie. Yes, you're right. J-Hud she but really like, did by, the end, by the end of the video j-hud is dancing there like standing there she's not really singing much of anything like that's crazy wow that's like there's two moments where j-hud gets to belt her face off and it's just those like two short quick minutes hmm. and yeah. then it was like i feel like mariah was in the studio like all right she got her two moments cut her out the rest of the song <laughs> <laughs> yes and honestly like even in the video even in the video with the outfits, it's like, first of all, I thought uh, Jennifer looked the most beautiful. I loved her dress Best. the most. But Mariah, like, was really serving sexy Christmas. Like, she wanted to remind bitches that even though you got a little Ariana in the back, covered up looking like a 12-year-old, right? Because that was another thing I noticed. They really covered her up. Um, but she wanted to show You know the Christmas off. dresses that you wear to church? You That's know, what she the- looked like. Yeah. <laughs> This is what I'm saying. You know, the Christmas service. She even had the little head bow thing. She looked like a little 12 year old. Yes. She looked like she was ready for the Christmas family photo. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. But but I also realized that in the wardrobe, that told me everything I needed to know about the ego that was going on in the the whole. (laughs) But it is a a little box. No, they were they were up and then they were like there was like cleaved out, which listen, I'm here for yeah. the titties. Don't get me mm-hmm. wrong. I was here for the titties, but I also realized that the titties was the only ones that was allowed to be the titties of the video. You feel me? Like Oh yes. <laughs> she was given um sexy gingerbread realness. Yes. Yeah. But I yeah. am glad to see it. You know what I mean? And I think that like, you know, a lot of I feel like white people during Christmas are allow themselves to forget that Mariah Carey's black and that oh, she yeah. is not just like she obviously like she you knows she has her passing privileges but she is a black woman um and I think to have Jennifer in there was was cool too because Jennifer's already established she doesn't need like yeah. accolades from white people but just this idea of like the subtle it's Christmas we're here celebrating and yes there is this black woman here mm-hmm, not just me Ariana and like you said she could have gotten a dummy or something else and I don't think she did it because oh, of race. I don't think she did it because of race, but I do think that every opportunity for a black woman to be fucking up what like these white, you know, mid middle of the country people are used to for Christmas. It was a nice little way to continue to just like poke their bubble a little Uh bit of like, even your Christmas, Christmas queen is, is black and, and entertains with black people. Just FYI. Just FYI. It was also just like a lost opportunity in the sense of like Mariah's kind of one of the last like divas, ones, mm. you know, and you know you had that iconic concert where it was like Mariah Celine. Divas. Remember VH1 used to do the yeah, divas, divas live. They don't even respect it anymore. R.I.P. Yeah, that was a moment in time. Like, give me one. Uh, moment in time like that was yeah. it that was if, a so, moment so let's, so let's do this right now if you were going to build your divas live because i would have mariah 
Yeah. Not put on the spot. I would have, I would have Mariah J. Hood and Ariana. All right. I honestly don't feel like Ariana has earned the Me too. place of diva yet. I'm I know so she sorry. can sing. It's I'm not that saying. I think she has a, she has a talent, but I don't right. feel like in her artistry, she's putting that foot forward the most. She's not out yet. here trying to be black and make the hip hop dollars with her little pop music. Okay. Right. And I'm still not over what she did um, with, um, what's that little song that she stole from Princess Nokia? Yeah. Um, that sounded yeah i'm still not over that to me that was yeah. real that was real um that was whack yeah so, i'm not gonna sit here and say she can't sing and belt i'm not it's not the critique yeah, she's that super to me talented. a diva is more than just your singing talent it's a whole vibe and i don't yeah. like her vibe and then also I, diva is like somebody that you want to be yeah i I'm feel like you know talking about like generational like i'm i you not y'all know i'm coming from singing first like if we're right, talking about yeah. And I feel like she's in my diva vibe. Okay, like, generational. For this for generation? New, for the new school of girls, like, she's the diva. Like, her if that's what it is, then that's sad. <laughs> and I said, say it. Say it. Say it. If that's what we've come to, then that's sad. Because even, <laughs> and it doesn't have anything to do, even do with, like, her race or anything either. Because, like... I love me some Tina Marie and I thought Miss Tina Marie was a diva, honey, like, mm -hmm. and I love her down. But um, I don't know. I think maybe there's also something in it for me where like um, this sort of like childish persona that she's always kind of like pushing and it's- Yeah, she, so she's always doing sexy baby. Like- Yeah, and I'm, it's a little weird for me. It's yeah. a little weird. <laughs> That's what, like, the school girl, like, I look 16, but I'm going to say I want to fuck you all night. Can yeah, you? and, like, wear stilettos and, like, little yeah. skirts and, like... Yeah, yeah. I, I have some healing. I have some healing to do with Ariana before I accept it. Because I'm not going to sit here and say yeah. that she's not talented, talentedly warranted for right. it, but I'm just not going to sit here and act like I'm going to like it. <laughs> that part. <laughs> Um, but I'm 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 interested, Skittles. You didn't name Beyonce in there. Oh, I guess Beyonce would be a diva too. Yeah, she would. Because I know she her would. voice be debatable. I know she ain't the best of the best. Yes. She's great, but she ain't the best of the best. Back to Effie. Yeah. Honestly, I yeah. A, I know that my love hate relationship with Beyonce is that she takes from artists and doesn't credit them like when she. <gasps> mm hmm. Oh yeah, that's crazy. That's but now she, has, now she has enough money to like make sure that her name is at the at the top of the credit list and in, in the contract already. Like period. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, okay. That's real. But Jennifer definitely, honestly, like I I I have this thing where because of, of the way pop music has evolved, we don't leave enough room for people like Jennifer's career to actually have the impact of the talent that they have. And it's disappointing. Oh, yeah. And I have to, you know, I have to test. I can't sit here and say like, I listen to uh, her her um, albums through and through, right? But it's weird. Cause it's like, I, you want a certain bop and whatever. And when I listen to diva music, I literally go straight to my Celine, straight to my old Mariah's. Like, you know what I mean? And then- right those are the moments where I'm like oh yeah that's right like let me listen to see what Jennifer has put out and I like mix it in those playlists but that's not like an everyday vibe for me anymore is it something that happens in hindsight like I'm wondering if that's a thing Sorry. wait say that again Daisy 
I was like, is this something like the diva moments or is it something that happens in, in hindsight? Is it, cause I don't know if like, while Whitney was Whitney and she was like, you know, still maybe like two, three years into her career, if that was something that was, you know, put on her or she was, was she occupying that mantle of diva while doing that? Or was it something that happened it later? later. And looking back, people were- It was like, later in her career. It was okay. later in her career. Even when Mariah, Mariah plays it up now. Like Mariah's kind of like part of the joke because, you know, she she just like plays it up and like knows it now, but I don't know that she knew it. Then. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, definitely. definitely. Like someone who would want to be a diva, but will never be a diva is like Jennifer Lopez. Right, <laughs> like, yes, that's a great example because J-Lo can never, <laughs> J-Lo can never, but I love Jen. like, you know what I mean? Like I love yeah. Jennifer her she got to live in the pop world for me like you want to talk about pop women icons sure don't Mm -hmm. talk to me on no diva nothing but the way the industry be they would fuck around and put her in there just just and they would they would have tried it right (laughs) they would have that's why they canceled now that i think about it i wonder if that's why they canceled the show because the idea of diva and having more than one like something so Mm. it they would be like taylor they, swift like the now they would like throw in taylor swift because back yeah, in the day they, they used to put in shania twain but back in the day there was a deep class where shania shania at first i would be like mm, but like as i got older i'm like actually no for the genre and what she does absolutely like she yeah. was the diva of that genre. and i'm cool for shania i love yeah shania. i mean she got she came she was a little problematic yeah a little problematic now but before. If I were to yeah. think of like white divas, I would include uh, Carrie Underwood. Oh, yes. I love I Carrie. And Kelly Clarkson. Kelly. Kelly, period. 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 Kelly Clarkson. I love Kelly. Yo, I remember. I love Kelly Clarkson. Oh, my gosh. However old that was. Literally. 15 <laughs> year old me. sitting in the fucking window like I grew up in a small town (laughs) town. (laughs) meanwhile me in the Bronx I was there riding on the riding on the fucking six train like like dreaming of what could be (laughs) (laughs) happy Bitch, I wanted to break away so bad. Bitch, I tell you every like every time I get to use fucking um fucking um a moment like this, some people wait all the time. for a moment like this. Mine, mine that I pull out is the because of you. My mother doesn't like to listen to that song because that song came out right when my parents bro- broke up. So I was real uh, like uh, emo thirteen, like he can't love you. <laughs> <laughs> here but we didn't say (laughs) but wouldn't we also say christina aguilera just christina i I cannot say her we cannot period i love christina yeah and i don't think i don't don't know if she had a debate i don't know if that 
Actually, yes. Honestly, okay? yes. Honestly, yes. 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 And yes. she's got an Oscar now, so why not? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Stir in the pot with the rest of them. Yeah, no, she okay. She can fucking sing. That's a reality. Gaga got it. Yeah, Gaga yeah, definitely yeah. got it. Ah, oh my yes. gosh, Christina. Yeah. RIP to her like What a Girl Wants group. will forever be my favorite Christina song. I love that song. I love What a Girl Wants. But I also I think my my favorite song is Hurt. Um, just because uh. the if I had just one Monday, I'm gonna hurt y'all ears because I can't sing. But <laughs> but that was good. What is Pink Oh, stripped. Stripped album. I was, was that like, the one Dirty was on? Yes, yeah. I was like 12 years old, like in the shower talking about until my clothes come on that she's literally describing getting fucked like I used to imagine what it was like what song is that let me get mine I get yours oh yes I remember that and that's the one that she had little Kim right please don't deserve sign put my back into a slow some of the chills uh, knowing nothing about that right i was like i was like i don't think i've ever heard that song and heard that like you know i, I don't think so either listen to that song i was literally 12 years old talking about send the chills up and down my spine i had no idea that i wanted to get something <laughs> right but i was thinking about it you were manifesting babe you were manifesting <laughs> Also, oh, Tony Braxton because she's still alive. Tony. I'm not gonna play her. Tony and I'm down. not gonna play her because Tony, Tony Braxton got me through my childhood. I used Honey. to. Okay. I was over here, I was I learning the lessons play. before I was living the lessons, baby. I was out here like, uh, what are you thinking? Oh, what's the song? Um, Don't you know me? Period. Man, it wasn't man enough. Okay, my Tony Braxton, my Tony Braxton is let go. <laughs> That's my jam. That, my favorite. Everything's gonna work out right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna pack my But if we go in there, if we go in there, then you have to put Brandy in the lineup. Like, oh, but then if Brandy, you put Brandy, you can't leave Monica. Come on, Brandy and Monica. But we're not letting in Ashanti. We're not letting then, Ashanti oh, in. That's all. This versus not... Ashanti and Keisha Cole coming up. All right, but real quick, who y'all think got it? I was about to say, who y'all got? <laughs> who y'all I'm got honestly, for? I'm gonna if go it's on hits, If it's on hits, I think Ashanti, Ashanti. got it. But I think as Keisha's as more as talented. But Keisha Cole has, has, has bops, though. Bangers. You need to yeah. get it if you don't wanna love you around and keep it on where you wanna be. No, Keisha. <laughs> I'm so man, but I got, I got it like that. I got it like that. I got it Somebody said there was a tweet that was like, if Missy Elliott never screamed your name on a track, you never had a hit. <laughs> Real. Yeah. Oh, okay, oh, well, that's yes. going to be a tough one. Yeah, that's going to be a tough one, but I do think if it's just based off of like chart hits, Ashanti might. 
just because mm. she was featured a lot, but I do prefer me Keisha Cole. That's all I'm gonna say about that. So, yes. Oh, can I have some? Okay. All right. So now we're gonna move into our Tuta Loca S, where we shout out motherfuckers for doing the most. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Barack Hussein coming out talking about the defund police slogan. Now here's what, let, let me just go ahead and read exactly what he said before we go into it, because I don't wanna paraphrase. He says, you lost the big audience the minute you say it, which makes it a lot less likely that you're actually going to get the changes that you want done. The key is deciding, do you want to actually get something done or do you wanna feel good among the people you agree with? Now, I have some notes. <laughs> I have some notes. <laughs> because here's what I'll say. When we are playing within the context of white supremacy politics, he is 100% right. What I feel was a huge missed opportunity for him to maybe position his words differently would be to admit that the only reason why defund police doesn't work is because it's working within a white supremacist system. But it's not acknowledging that part of the reason that people are talking about defunding the police in the first place is to break the very institution that makes it unpopular to say those words. I mean, yeah. listen, mm -hmm. it was unpopular to say free the slaves. It was okay. unpopular to say integrate. It's been unpopular to say a lot of things in this country that have been necessary changes. So for me, this black president right coming forth and saying that it was quite disappointing and and there was something i had heard on clubhouse actually that somebody said and i'm not going to go and say that this is why he did this but i will say that the trauma that um ados people right so like yeah. african descendants of slaves or of, of american slavery right like can relate to is this deep nuance around the fact that the enslavement of black people has really robbed them of an identity that is theirs because the, the very country in which they are supposed to be able to identify and have a whole identity, it doesn't allow them to outside of the constructs of the oppression and the continued slavery through other institutions, i.e. the prison to, you know, school to prison pipeline, mm -hmm. name them all, right? And so to me, it's like to make that statement and make it seem like, well, if you wanna get something done, that's not how you're gonna get it done. So then how about you sit at the table privately with somebody mm -hmm. and then support that because you understand that while your point is correct for a white supremacist system within, the, with, within their work, which they are working it, clearly I'm passionate. I'm like, I can't even fucking speak, right? <laughs> like, Let's go off. But like, <laughs> rather than do that, if you're really trying to help us, then really help us. What are you yeah. doing getting interviewed and, and letting yourself be quoted with that? So Showing that you, your ass so in that the street? You, right, so that you have these middle ground people, both BIPOC, white or whatever, who can look at you and say, see, even Obama knows that's not a good idea. And we yeah. love Michelle, you know? That, and it's just like, that. fuck you. Fuck just you fed right into that. Undoing so much of the work. And also- Basically just undermined it. And it's not a, just a slogan. People are very well studied. People are literally putting stats and numbers together for real action plans. So that the moment somebody says, yes, we'll do it. It's not like, a okay, so now you guys figure it out. Give us what we want. They're coming to the table with, with very solution. clear solutions. And so, and there are politicians, literally people in Congress who are supporting this movement and are being very diligent about the work. Do not get on a large platform and do that. You know, and if you do want to do that, don't be tight when everybody's looking at you and calling you out. 
because mm. a lot of these activists are looking at him fucking crazy. But you know what? Biden is just got, like, listen, all this, all this, like, oh, we voted to get Biden in, wonderful. It's still going to be a very middle ground American experience. We're not about to go all the way left. We're super close to weed being legal. Um, this week there was a, now like in Congress or was it in Congress? Somewhere like the proposal made it to the next step to decriminalize weed in the whole United States, right? So what I think is going to happen is that they can take liberal actions like that. They can reverse uh, the bullshit that uh, um, Trump put on uh, the trans community and the military. They're going to start doing things that feel really radical, but they're not going to give Black people in America, and not just, just the diaspora Black, but Black Americans from America, they're going to yeah. still overlook the specific needs of what the community needs. And I'm not here for it. I'm not here for it. Mm. So those are my notes. I don't know what y'all think about it, though. I almost feel like my first thoughts in hearing <laughs> what he said, I and I, I go back to like how people always um, like to be like, oh, well, like your president did X, Y, Z and they like point at like the negative things that Barack has done in the past and shit like that. Yeah. Like people in his age group all say that same thing about defund the police. They're like, oh, well, like if you mean reallocating funds, just say that. Like they, they feel so strongly about these like terms or this slogan that they're not willing to actually look past it and do and see that the homework's being done and seeing that there's like, you know, solutions being proposed and all this shit. And so they're so stuck on like these two words, three words that they themselves are completely bypassing being able to like actually see what the movement or, or what people are trying to like bring about in this, in this change. So it's like yeah. their, their own like, um, ignorance, I guess, is like mm -hmm. holding them back. It's, it's this, that same thing of like having to re-educate these old people oh. over and over again. <laughs> like... Damn it, boomers. Get it together. <laughs> okay, so first of all, I am so disappointed that uh, Barack Jamal Hussein Obama <laughs> would even <laughs> for it to be still funny. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Jamal, because you know we adopted him. So um, I feel like every now and then he kind of shows us how like out of touch he is when it comes to things of like the Black American experience. Um, and him just kind of having a little bit of displacement, you know, with his youth and his upbringing. Um, and so this is one of those times. And I'm saying that also as someone who is, uh, I'm a Black American, I'm a Jamaican American, but I'm also technically not African American because I wasn't born here. I was born in Jamaica. I'm an import. You know, and so even though I have had an African-American experience or African-American upbringing as far as, um, you know, when I leave my home, right, um, I'm treated as such. But in situations like that, like there's certain things that if you haven't experienced it first and foremost in the capacity that an African-American has, there are certain things that you probably shouldn't 
speak on or maybe shouldn't do so as strongly and so publicly like that's what I call like showing your ass in the street like there's certain mm-hmm. things that are you know to be discussed among us as a community before you go ahead and take it um to the white man stage um and say it on behalf of all black people right because then just like you pointed out, that's exactly what happens is that they kind of look for those kind of tools of division to use against us to be like this, you know, that same like model minority bullshit, right? Where it's like, but look what this one said, but look what this one can do. And if they can do it, and if they can say that or feel that way, why can't you, you know what I mean? Because they're always kind of looking for those loopholes and arguments to like bring in, to try to like poke holes in your, um, like wherever, whatever ground you're standing on. And so that's the only reason why I'm disappointed in it. It's like, I get what he's saying and I get where he's coming from. Um, it ain't here. like in his mind it's valid but it's not speaking to the experience of african-american people and i feel like he should have just you know kept quiet until he figured that out but here we are yep yep and i feel like he could have done a better job of still backing up the cause and like Mm -hmm. i said he just shouldn't have came for the language the language is just that it's language. Talk about the policy. Talk about what they're actually drafting and proposing, and don't or try to you reword it for your else. comfort. Right. Give something else. Like come up with like you're very good at coming up with your uh, yes we cans and things that those taglines that people come like you know tag onto. Maybe like defund the police, sure, but like maybe come up with with your own sort of like subdivision of that that like speaks to what you're trying to bring about without undermining an entire movement um that's mm-hmm. been going on and probably would be going on with or without you like exactly. that's rude yeah mm-hmm. yep and it's yeah. like a lot of them are doing that thing where like they like like we said before like they're they're criticizing the words without proposing like compromising yeah. compromising like because what it is is that white people have an issue with it yep white people and 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 because you know not all skin folk it's kin folk right conservative people who yeah people who know or really feel comfortable within within this you know white supremacist system and and democracy but and don't want because they know what work goes into change they also know mm-hmm. how viscerally white america holds on to whiteness so mm-hmm. they're like i kind of don't want to live to see a civil war just like figure it out and like chill out like, you know, and yeah. I feel like so many people have that energy of like, just worry about your family, do the best you can and like shut the fuck up so that we don't have to have a revolution. And I'm like, y'all too comfortable. It's self-included, self-included, yeah. Yeah, self-included, yeah, yeah. but you know. It's kind of interesting, especially following this, following the fact that like he had that interview recently with Charlemagne where like he's talking about like making white people uh, feel comfortable um throughout his time as president and how like that was and sort of like juggling that and like juggling the um the very fragile egos and like feelings of like white people when it came to things like that and like him just being in that position of power and um and what that did to conservatives or what that did to um, white people who felt like he shouldn't be there and and you know what I mean and how he had to sort of move and adjust in order to make them feel comfortable enough not to fucking like want to bring his whole damn uh 
institution down or his whole damn um what you would call it down what's the people what they call it well, administration. His, his administration Admi administration <laughs> <laughs> but it's true it's true it's true because even and like obviously like the the republicans during his time in office were impossible and made so many things impossible for him trifling but, is what they were but, but the democrats being their comfortable middle ass selves that they are also, we're pulling this black man and making sure that he stayed middle, but he obliged is really at the end of right. the day, like we can paint it as much as we want and talk about how like it's hard as a politician. And I hear that. I hear that. And I don't hate Obama, actually. I am still I like Obama. I do. Mm -hmm. um, but it, when you got to call him out, you, you got to call him out. Look, I like Jay-Z, yeah. too, but Jay-Z ain't always right. I love no, me some Kanye. Yes. Kanye certainly ain't always right. But Shall? like is true you know yeah. we can both like them and criticize them so thank and that's, you it's because we like them so much while we feel the need to criticize them because if we didn't give a fuck about them we wouldn't give a fuck about what they were saying or doing either exactly so there's that yes anywho period Ooh, this looks good oh my God, this is delicious. all right so now we are going to move into our plate of the day so real life dating while being a black woman so oh wow honest, uh, yeah child let me pour some more wine yes I... yeah get ready for it right mm -hmm. because i think that what has me thinking about this a lot is again clubhouse you know fucking clubhouse has taken my life right and and hey, i see I live there so now. many rooms where women are talking about different facets about their dating, different facets about their relationships. And I kind of, I want to open up this conversation. Like obviously you, Deji, as a black woman will speak from your perspective. And I'm interested in talking about black femme in general. You know what I mean? Not just black yeah. cis women, but like in general, there is an experience um, that black women have dating. And for me, I think you know, being Dominican and not using the word black because we were not taught to use the word black because we didn't know yeah. that we were the same kind of black. So I would always say Dominican as I'm like, yes, I'm Dominican. I'm the black people of that. I'm the black person of the Latinos. Like that's what yeah. I would say. I'm the black of them, but not mm -hmm. understanding that I was quite literally ancestrally the same thing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think that one of the the ways for me in which I was very aware of my blackness as a woman um, was that being in high school, LaGuardia High School Performing Arts and having all these white boys in my department, I always had a fear of my dark pussy. Like, I was like, I know all these white girls got this pretty pink pussy, right? And I also knew that, or I imagined in my head, right? That even the other girls that were black that were more melanated than me in my head, I was like, oh, but they still look one tone. I'm tan mm -hmm. here. And then when you get down there, it gets a little darker and it would horrify me. I'd be like, oh, that's so ugly and whatever. And like, why does my pussy need to be that kind of black? And because my pussy looks like that, nobody's gonna wanna fuck my pussy, right? And so like, mm -hmm. it's weird because like my body, was like the point and it was literally the skin the color of my skin that started to make me feel ick about my place but that's just one piece of like how self-awareness as a black woman in the day you see manifest and i went straight to yeah. sex but there's like literally a million other things another thing that i'm uh. always aware of is am i too aggressive or like doing too much or like dominican mm -hmm. women are always crazy like all of these things and I'm like micromanaging my behavior around framework that people place upon black women that is just a framework it's not a reality of how we all behave and so it's something that I think about a lot 
But Deja, you and I talk about dating a lot anyway, yes. right? And I know you have a great deal to say around the topic. And I, and I just, I'm curious, uh, you know, initially, what is your perception and relationship with your blackness? And then as it relates to the dating scene? Um, for me, I feel like I always kind of show up, um, not even kind of, I always show up as my whole self and I feel like that's sometimes a problem for most men that I date, um, no matter their race, because I don't discriminate, um, except for white men, but, (laughs) and And that's also coming from like experience as well too, because like I also like before, like I used to always be like, oh, white man, ew, no. And like, you're literally like the epitome of like white supremacy and I literally just can't, right? And I would say that and then I was like, okay, well, I, I'm also the type of person that like I need to learn by doing. So I was like, okay, let me like, you know, white men would come around and I would never give them a chance. And I would just be like, okay, at one point I was just like, well, let me just try to give it a chance to see, um, just so that I can speak from my experience versus me speaking from my bias or speaking from like prejudice or whatever, right? So I was like, you know, let me give this white man a chance. Okay, now I know, it's a no. So uh, <laughs> um, I tried it, did it, it didn't work. Right. So um, I feel like no matter what color, um, race, ethnicity that I date, I always feel or have felt like with the people that I've chosen, because I know this isn't true for everyone, but also I'm not here to date everyone. Um, I'm here to date who I want. Right. Yeah. So I feel like it's always an issue because I feel like people have this perception of you I've learned before you even um, show up in their space or even begin to share space with them. They have this perception of black women. They have this perception of you as a black woman, Um, depending on the details that they've uh, that you've given them. They they try to make sense of you or they try to like put you in a box. And I feel like for me, I've always kind of bust the seams of that box. Um, Not even a little bit, but a lot of it in ways that makes uh, the men that I'm in relationship with uncomfortable, whether it's um, what I choose to do for myself or how much uh, my ambition, whether it's, the things that I'm interested in that they can't really relate to, um, whether it's um, my upbringing that they can't really relate to or where I see myself that they can't see themselves and then they get intimidated by that and then try to like write me off as someone that's like, you know, selfish or whatever the case may be because like they all want the best for you until the best for you maybe don't include them. And then, you're just a bitch, right? So it's very, it's been very mixed um, in my experiences, but I think that one commonality has been true is that I feel like people want very much to box me in and I don't really adhere to that. And it's not really out of an act of rebellion or what have you, I'm literally just being myself. And I just felt like in the situations that I've been in, it's just been at some point, it becomes to be too much for people. And I feel like there's also this thing, right? Where like, 
somebody could hear what we're talking about and say, oh, but that's not because you're black. That's because you're a woman. Mm. What are some of the ways in which you can attest to the fact that actually your blackness has something to do with it? And it's not this narrative that this is just how women behave and we're judging you for being a woman and not because you're black. I think, um, well, the only, I feel like the only um, concrete things that I can come up with is like when I was indeed like dating white men and I was like kind of testing that out and it didn't work for several reasons. And I think one of the biggest thing for me and one of the most pivotal moment was when, uh, I remember I even put up an Instagram post about this because it literally like was something that I just felt so compelled to like speak out about and kind of bring a little bit of um, transparency too. Um, but I can't remember exactly what was said verbatim, but it was something to the effect of like someone kind of like letting me know, or this white man basically telling me like, or asking me why I'm so, um, I guess why I'm so guarded, you know? And I feel like for any woman, that would be a question that their significant other would ask them if they're in a place where they feel uh, you know, they've been hurt before or they've been through situations that have taught them one lesson and they don't want to learn that lesson again. So they're being a lot more careful and like, you know, in their approach when it comes to dating. But it was also, um, oh, this is what it was. Well, he was basically telling me like, oh, well, I'm not worried about you. Like you can take care of yourself. And I'm like, you know, well, I get that. And I understand that, but I don't want to always have to do that. Um, and like, I don't always want to have to like, sort of, um, and he was talking about in the physical sense. Right. Um, and I was just like, right. Like, like, because I'm black and I can fight and I can defend myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it was like, kind of annoying because I'm like, cause like, of course he's drawing on, um, one, we have shared common space as far as like, um, training with like and people know that like you know me in the fitness realm and everything like I like trained in like Muay Thai and like things like that and so like he has that or boxing and things like that so like he has that experience of seeing me in that realm yes but then also um in the sense that like he was kind of pulling on and he made it very clear that like you know based on like where I'm from and like, you know, because I'm from the Bronx and like, you know what I mean? And I'm just like, yeah, no. And it kind of turned me off because I'm just like, that's not how I'm showing up as in this space with you. Because like, whether or not I'm a fighter in the um, literal sense or in the, um, you know, figurative sense, I'm also very much a woman. And if you're someone that's joining this space in me and trying to make me your woman, like, why do I have to fight for myself when you're here? And like, for me, that's just kind of like how I feel about it. Like I can fight for myself, yes, but I also don't want to have to do that all the time. And I also felt like it became this bigger conversation of like me um, having to be strong all the time and not wanting to occupy that space all the fucking time. Like I want someone that I can be soft with. I want someone that I can like be vulnerable and kind of, you know, let them take on that role and I don't have to do it. And that's what he was telling me too, was just like, well, like I don't have to worry about that with you because you can, you can handle it. Or like, you, you know what I mean? And it was very much like, ew. Mm -hmm. you know, 
street? Like, would you tell the same white woman from who grew up in fucking Chelsea the same thing? No, you wouldn't. Whether or not she like right. was taking boxing lessons or whatever, like, you know what I mean? And it was very irritating. And I feel like what thing that like white men don't understand, not all of them, but um, I haven't met the ones who do yet, child. So I'm just speaking from that um, perspective. Hey, it's your truth. And, it's your truth. Uh, like they, like there are different, um, like, yeah, they may, they may be walls up when you date this black woman who is dating white men for the first time, but also understand that this wall is, this wall is built differently as well there the foundation is completely different the way the bricks are laid are completely different because it's based on a lot of these things that you cannot relate to you know what 100%. i'm saying even when it comes to the space of like physicality like this was at one point where like my hair was shorter and he was very much like you should grow it out again so i can play in it and i'm like bitch i don't even play in my hair Right. This is not a playground, sir. Like, okay. Like little things like that. And it was very irritating that I'm just like, I know you wouldn't, that wouldn't be a thing. If someone had like long, straight, silky hair, you wouldn't be as fascinated by that. And like, you know, it was just weird. Like there were just a lot of like red flags and I was just like, yeah, you've never done this before. I think I love, I love that you brought up this idea of toughness and strength. Um, because I have always experienced that. And I often say that I think that that's also why a lot of the white boys who fucked with me heavy, like as a person Mm -hmm. heavy, could never see themselves liking me because they automatically assume this toughness and like roughness about me. And so I was then tomboyish and I'm, you know, and I'm black anyway. And so, and they're not even into like, you know, they didn't grow up around a bunch of black people intimately, right? They're from New York, but like not in an intimate way. And so it's kind of like, yeah, she's one of the boys, but we know she's not like, we know that she's a lesbian. Like, it's like, it's like the respect line is like, oh, well, we don't think you're a lesbian. We just think you're like super tough and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So that's supposed to be some sort of fucking compliment, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that I definitely internalized a lot of that because both in my dating life, having this, like, I wasn't used to guys even opening doors and this idea of chivalry was Mm -hmm. not really a thing. Um, And I've never been with a white man Mm -hmm. and not on purpose, just because they've never been drawn to me, but like even dating while black, like flipping it and talking about black guys, there's a way in which the way that um, we have, people have been socialized to perceive the black woman has also lent itself in some cases to how black men continue that behavior to their black women same or worse as some of these white dudes um you know what i mean they're not opening the door they don't like give a fuck like they're not trying to be soft and tender with you because in their head they're just so prepared to argue with you and and somehow and i'm not i wouldn't go as far as saying like oh like the black woman's biggest enemy is the black man which i've seen Mm -hmm. thrown around and i don't agree with that at all but i do understand that it hurts double because it's like Nigga, you know, like, mm-hmm. why are you acting brand new? Because if somebody would press your mama like this, you would be ready to list all the reasons why your mama is the way she is, right? Yeah. Why can't you extend that grace to me? And then the yes. second thing I'll say is that, like, there's a, there's a sexualization, yeah. and this happens, yes, with Black men, but I find it especially with people, and this is now going beyond white, the way the black woman's body is sexualized, right? Mm-hmm. Like, cause there are even yeah. like, you know, white Latinx people who love them a black woman, but it's about the big booty, the lips and this like 
and it's really accentuating that stuff. And it's and it's interesting because then it becomes hard to be a black woman who doesn't look like a Cardi B or a Beyonce or some of these things that are more desirable. But it's almost like that's the expectation because those are the people who get elevated the most. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's so crazy. Like, and I also remember um, dating this Puerto Rican man who would make it very clear to me that like, oh, you're not the only black girl that I've dated. Like I've dated another black girl before, but she was like, you know, like light skin. Um, you know, she was more like, you know, more like she looked like us, like she looked like Spanish or whatever, right? Um, and even him telling me that like his sister, when she saw me for the first time, his sister was like, oh, your girlfriend's like black, black. Yeah, right? Black, um, black. Yeah. And then was like, um, basically would tell me like that. And I don't know, like he would tell me these things that people would say about me upon seeing me, like their responses as far as like seeing me with him um, and telling me it as if it was like a compliment. Like he would tell me like one of his homies who um, was also a Latino man and also like very like, you know, white passing uh, a little bit more, conquistador blood versus like African slave or Taino blood, right? I had one of those. Um, Yeah, and like, you know, would tell me that like, oh, I see you or whatever the case may be. And it's like, you know, I thought about that too. Like, you know, I was with my girl for a minute and I thought that, you know, if I ever get back out there again and I start dating, I'm gonna give a morena a shot. Like, what? Mm Like and that's people don't hear that, themselves they when don't they say fucking, shit like when that. They hear, and I'm literally there like, what? Like, and you think that's okay? And you were, you said what? Like, you know what I mean? And things like that, that people don't think that um, they're fetishizing. They don't think that they're like, you know, doing this like, like fun experimental thing when they're dating black women. And I'm like, I'm a fucking person, bro. Like, mm-hmm with a whole fucking life and experiences and emotions and stories to tell the same way that you are that person. Like why is like dating me looked at as a fucking adventure? Absolutely. And that's like, I can't, like, I mean, it is, (laughs) but (laughs) you know, (laughs) just because it's me, like not because of my blackness. And like, to me, that's one of the most like irritating things that like, and I'm 30 years old now, like, and I've been dating since what, like, since I was 18, like, yo, I'm like 12 years into this shit. And it's like, I'm hearing the same things from grown ass people. Like, it's not like I'm 30 dating the same 18 year olds. Like I'm 30 dating like 30 and above. And this is how y'all really think. And Mm y'all are the people raising children. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's so interesting. And I, and and to speak to raising children, this is a perfect segue. I'm like, what are some of the ways in which you either growing up and whether that's evolved or not, I'd love to hear, what were the standards of what you expected your partner to be, what you expected them to have? Like outside of race, like what were the things that, uh, what were your first impressions of what a partner should be and how has that evolved? Um, 
I think before, I don't really think I had that. Like I didn't have a clear vision as far as like who I wanted that person to be um, outside of them just being somebody that was loving and like essentially like a best friend, right? Somebody that I was just like, excuse me, just somebody that was very like easy to get along with and not only just easy to get along with, but like we had fun together. And I think um, I did find that. Um, but then in finding that, I realized that there were so many things that had to go along with that in order for it to be something prosperous or something um, that would, you know, have longevity, right? And so where I am now is that, and it's not to say that my list is like so long, but there are some non-negotiables. Like there, like for me, like I want someone who is a God-fearing man. Like to me, that's, a, that's important. Um, and, you know, not someone that's just like, you know, I believe in the cosmos and I'm spiritual. Like, right. do you believe in God though? Like that, you know, <laughs> like specifically that. Um, and just because of where I am in my faith and I want someone that kind of like shares in that um, sort of belief as well, but not rigid. You know what I mean? I, as far right. as like, because even where I am with my faith is like, I'm not like this. And I hate calling myself a Christian because I feel like it sort of denotes this like sort of rigidity and like religion and like, right. which I'm so not about. Um, very less religion and more like um, spirituality, but with sort of the constructs of that, um, knowing that, you know, there's truth in the stories that we tell across all religions and things like that but you know that comes with time and finding somebody that is that evolved um spiritually is that very difficult um and then also someone who has grown can we talk about it because these people um they birth certificates are saying grown they driver's license say grown um but the way they show up is not the way they show up is very much giving DZ discovery zone. It's giving um, discovery zone. <laughs> <laughs> it's giving happy meal. Um, it's giving me kids bop. And I'm very much not here for that. And I feel like there's this um, kind of quote that we always hear about, like, you know, um, spiritual women or like women who are naturally like healers would always attract men that need healing. Like I'm sick and tired of healing these motherfuckers or trying to heal them. Like, and I've literally have made clear that that is very much not my ministry anymore, but to some extent, for some reason, I'm still attracting some of these broken men. And um, it's very much been an issue. So I feel like after every situation or every relationship, like I kind of have to get more clear with myself about the things that I want and the things that I'm not willing to compromise on. So I kind of rambled a little bit, but I hope I answered. No, that. no, yeah, no, that's an answer for sure. Yeah. Yes, and so Daisy, um, we wanted to know what was your community's response to your dating interests? Uh, <laughs> woo! <laughs> <laughs> the laugh. You, you gotta laugh because, honey. Um, so I've also like I'm the type of person that like I not only live outside the box but I date outside the box, right? So I've dated like all kinds of men, 
um, black, um, now white, I can say that I've dated a white men. Um, probably won't do that again. Um, we'll I love see. how you, you say it all know. the time. You're, you're, you're making it clear that you're not sure that that's ever going to happen again. Yeah, I don't know. Like, you know, if it's maybe like, we'll see if like I run into like Christopher Jamal Evans. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> I need a little Jamal in him. <laughs> Look, because I don't know. That's a whole different story. But um, yeah, no, it's a no for me usually automatically with white men, sorry, not sorry, but just from my experiences. And what's crazy is like, I've kind of had like my little speculations and then I experienced it and I was like, oh, look, I was right. Um, Stories, I got stories on stories from that. But um, it's been, because I've basically dated um, pretty much everyone as far as like black, white, Asian, Latino. Um, it's definitely been mixed. Like I feel like people never know. Like when I say I'm dating someone, people never know who the fuck to expect. They can't picture what this guy is gonna look like. I can or, attest to that. Like, <laughs> yeah, never assume. Yeah, don't assume with me because you're not gonna know. Like, ha, I got you, bitch. Look at you. Now you surprised. You didn't even think he was gonna be. That's really what. That's how I date. And it's really for me. It's about. Um, it's about the energy for me. It's about the energy of the person. It's about the things that we can relate on. It's about um, how we connect with each other and that vibe and that connection. Um, but also I feel like it's so important to me, no matter who you are and what you look like, that you're supportive of who I am, um, not just as an artist, not just as a woman, but as a black woman, right? Um, and how I show up and are so respectful of that. And so I feel like I've gotten that for the most part to an extent. And I think that's been the breaking points in all of my relationships is that people are so here for you and they wanna rock with you and they wanna ride with you until they can't, you know what I mean? Or until they can't relate anymore. Or maybe they see themselves sort of being a little bit more stagnant or just mired to mediocrity and they can't grasp the fact that you can be this expansive, that you can be this and all of this at once. And I feel like sometimes it's intimidating, but I don't feel like it's intimidating so much as they're just intimidated. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, That's it's always fun. been it's always been a weird um, response. I remember the first boyfriend that I brought home was like Puerto Rican and I felt like it was very much like my family. Um, I come from a Jamaican family and my Jamaican family is always like, I feel like when an outsider like comes among us, we're like, let's give them like the weirdest thing that they could possibly eat that they're not used to and see how they react to it and kind of like judge them based on that. <laughs> no. so, it was so funny, but like, it wasn't like the weirdest, but like that was like the first time that he ever had like curry goat and uh, like, he like absolutely loved it. And so my mom was like, oh, great. Right, as long as she doesn't need to modify yes. her menu. Like we can keep him, like that's fine. But so funny that like Loki in reverse, his family did the same thing to me because like it was like, yeah, it wasn't until then that I realized that like they gave me octopus child. It's octopus salad. <laughs> and 
and like I didn't realize that this was a thing that Puerto Ricans do or whatever. I mean, yeah. pulpo, right. right? And so now yeah. I'm used to it, you know. <laughs> but like, you know, when I, you know, I already knew what it was because we did it to him. So when you know his well I pulled up with the, I was like, oh. with the smile, <laughs> and I saw these tentacles on my plate, baby. And I was like, you know, I'm yeah. right. I'm a just, I'm a fear factor this with a smile. Um, but I actually ended up liking it. So there was that. And I, I feel like I also, at first I was like a little, it was different, but I got accustomed to it. Um, but yeah, that's one thing about us as far as it's like, I feel like as black people in general, but West Indians, like we're generally like very welcoming, like Jamaicans, like we'll crack jokes on you all day, every day. But then at the same time, we're also going to be pretty embracing. And then also like my family has like background with like Cuban ancestry and things like that. And like one of my great aunts who we just buried, God rest her soul, um, maybe about two years back um, was also, I think one of the, one of the last relatives, um, her twin sister included, who's still alive, was uh, born in Cuba that we know of, you know, and that we still have connections to. So, you know, it's, you know, they don't talk their shit, but. <laughs> so what, what would you say is um, a misconception that people have around what you may want in, in the relationship when you go in? A misconception. Um, I don't, I feel like it can either be one of two things. Um, I think that the misconception is either, no, actually it's really just one. It's really just one. Um, it just shows up in different ways. I'm learning is that a lot of these men don't really want a girlfriend or a wife. Like they want a mother that gives them regular head. Talk and... about it. <laughs> Talk. And I feel like that's so real. Um, and I think it's so important to now I'm seeing not only, you know, as far as like their dads, but like to see what the relationships are with their mothers. Um, and it can kind of vary, but you really, that's why I'm like now I'm like, it's so important for me to like get to know a person before I jump in with both feet and completely commit, right? Um, but that's really what I've been discovering is that like independent women have it really hard when dating because we're also very clear on the things that we want and the things that we're capable of doing with ourselves for ourselves. But then at the same time, um, we do want our men to show up as men and in their truest form and whatever that means for them. Um, and I'm big on that. Like I'm big on like not overstepping in a sense of like um, just in any relationship and just allowing people to be who they are. Um, whether your man is a little bit more masculine and he kind of wants to play that role or take on that role. And it doesn't always mean that like they have to run shit, right? But it just kind of means that like, they just have to feel like it. Like you just, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, the, the best illusion. thing that you can do, exactly. Give them the illusion that they're kind of like, you know, whatever the case may be. And it doesn't always have to be this like competition and this back and forth and this like, oh, 
you know, like that's something that they kind of have to open up to on their own is like getting accustomed to that dynamic and everyone has to get accustomed to some dynamic. But I feel like that's been the biggest thing is like for me in my experience, they want to be mothered. They want you to do everything for them. They want you to do the things that their mama does. Like they want to, they want you to cook like oh boy that I was recently seeing was literally like, why isn't anything ready for me when I come home? What? What? You see? And now you see why that's no longer a thing. Because... (laughs) (laughs) What? Because like, I'm sorry, you said what now? Right. Like, wait, what? Like, Like, did he ask and you were like, no? And then he was like, oh, like- No, that was just the expectation. And that's that's the problem. Or they give with the expectation to receive something. But not only just to receive something, but to receive something very specific that they never really voice in the beginning. I have so much respect for men that like, regardless of, I mean, I may not respect their views, but I have respect for the man that can come to you and be like, yo, this is what I want. This is what I want for my woman and blah, blah, blah. And just be upfront. Like, bro, I'm not the girl for you. Pero, um, I appreciate you, you know, laying it out on the table and letting me know that I can just walk away from now and I don't have to waste three, four months of my time Thank and you. find out later. Exactly. Right. So <laughs> yeah, m- like more of that. Because I feel like also men like that, by the number of rejections that they get, they're gonna have to realize that they gotta do some little some self-reflection and they gotta tweak their little list. Okay. <laughs> so I quit it. There's also that. Do you think that you can date white and stay woke or be woke? Um, I wouldn't know. (laughs) I literally like me speaking from experience. I was just too woke for those situations. So I had to dip out. Um, because I just couldn't, like, I literally just couldn't. I had one man tell me that, like, he used his white privilege to do X, Y, and Z. And I was like, the fact that you're so, one, you're so aware, and two, you're so comfortable expressing that to a Black woman, like, who literally has like the least amount of privilege in this nation. And you were like, kind of like making light of it. Like it was a joke and it was so fun for you to do this. And it was like, this seems like a fun talking point. Like, are you dumb? I also had another man tell me that like when he got into an argument with an Indian man in a convenience store based on the fact that the man was like coughing and like wasn't covering his mouth. And he was telling him like, hey, you know, cover your mouth, whatever the case may be. They were on on the line, right? So he was pretty close to him when this guy was coughing, which I'm like, yo, that's warranted. Like, that's nasty as shit. Like somebody just coughing out in the open without covering their mouth. Um, I'd say something too. But he, in the heat of this argument, and this is how, you know, you always see people for who they are when they show up in these little heated situations, they reveal Mm -hmm. themselves. He said to this man, this Indian man, this older Indian man, that's not how we do things here. Oh, no. Right. Go somewhere, John Smith. 
look, <laughs> looked at him sideways, and then he was like, "That that kind of came off kind of wrong, right? That that sounded kind of racist, sir. You have to ask if you have the fact that you have to ask." <laughs> Let's me yeah. know that you are knowingly trying it. Knowingly. Yep. You know? So there's that. And then there's the level, the level of entitlement that you just kind of like, I don't have time to sit there and break down. And even whether they're aware of it or not, they do it. Um, even my most woke white folk that I know and love, um, also kind of show up in spaces in a certain kind of way where I'm always like, mm. And they'd be like, oh yeah, you're right. And I'm like, yeah, I don't got time to do that in my relationship. I also don't have time to explain myself. I'm not explaining to you why I need a silk scarf to sign my head. I'm not explaining to thank you why I need you. to wear the same discovery channel. Okay, I'm not explaining to you why um, you're not about to come at my head with this fine tooth comb or why um, I need to decondition every week or um, why I can't use um, whatever this lotion is that you use because I need my shea butter it's winter and you're bugging and like you know what I mean like there's a, all of those little nuances that like I'm also not willing to sort of give someone access to number one and then also feel like I'm always in a mode of like explaining so no I want to feel comfortable mm. you know <laughs> Skittles, what about you? I'm curious. I don't think I don't know. I, I don't know if I know your answer around this. What do you mean? Like, like, would like, date? Like, do you think you could be woke and still date a white guy as a Latino I, man? I feel like my natural taste for white men has diminished. Like, so <laughs> <far>. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't even look at them like that you know what I mean like this it's is just not like, even in your line of vision <laughs> but where does that Maybe, come from I don't know I feel like you know naturally growing up like I guess in my community I was more attracted to men of color whatever and then like my experience with my white men has been so consistent <laughs> with like you know, just shit that I don't like in terms of like, whether it comes from like things like mas uh, toxic masculinity or just like, you know, just the way that white men carry themselves in situations. Like pink I just, dick. I've never been. <laughs> Is it the pink stick Skittles? You could tell us the truth. <laughs> <laughs> also a thing, also a thing. That's why, you know, I always say if I end up with a white man, he's going to be a white Latino, probably, right? Because white Latino men, right? They white pass and they Latino, but the dick be tan. I could do that. I could do that. That's true. You know, exactly. And I feel like also um, like Sicilian men. I've never had an Italian man in my life. So there's that, that's also a thing. Cause I feel like not Italian, but Sicilian specifically. Right. Cause then like, you also got to remember in proximity, Sicily is very close to, to Africa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, um, they got the island of Malta and like all of that, that sort of region or whatever. Um, so I'm not a um, genealogist, but you know, some things, <laughs> 
<laughs> Some things just add up. <laughs> Some things just added up. Some things um, when you give a little social studies lesson. So through um, migration and cultural <laughs> diffusion. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love it. So Deji, last question on this. If you um, were to give some words of advice or some words of affirmation for other Black women and femme, uh, Black people who are dating, what, what piece of advice would you give them? Words uh, affirmation. I think... Mm, I would say um, you're enough. Yeah. Um, that would be like my first and foremost is that you are enough. I feel like um, in a lot of these spaces that we um, show up, especially in light of like where my mind has been this week with regards to like body positivity and like thinking about where you came from, um, Julissa, with your um, oh, experience yeah. of like, you know what I mean? And like, just like having um, those sort of like qualms or things like that. I feel like um, sometimes we're often judged, especially as a darker skinned black woman. Like I feel like that, that happens to me very often. But yeah. um, one, you are enough, um, you're powerful um, and you're allowed to be powerful, but you're also allowed to be soft. You're also allowed to be vulnerable. You can be all of those things and still be beautiful. And that doesn't take away from your worth and your value as a woman. If anything, it adds to it. Like you are so much more than these tiny little boxes that they're trying to put you in. You're expansive and you deserve someone and a partner that is just as expansive that's gonna grow with you. So, yeah. Amen. I love that. Thank you. Thank you um, so much. And thank you so much for joining us today. Please let yes. us know any any shout outs. Where can we find you on the social webs? Yes. Um, so I'm on Instagram at the perfect day. Um, really, that's just it right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're working on the other ones, the other modes of, co of uh, communication. But you can find me on Instagram at the perfect underscore D-A-I. Um, I'll be there um, giving you your daily dose of day where whether it's a little bit of humor, whether it's a little life lesson. I'm big on like learning as you go. And my platform, I feel like is all about um, not just those experiences, but also the things that I've learned from those experiences. So um, definitely stay tapped in for that. And I'm open to like dialogue and hearing other people's perspectives and stuff. And, you know, if you call now, just kidding, but, <laughs> you know, get into that. And that's, that's really what it's all about. Like, I feel like um, a lot of the times, even when it comes to information, whether it's something that's gonna be lucrative, whether it's something that's gonna be helpful, I feel like we kind of hoard that and we kind of keep that to ourselves and we put it in our diary. And I'm very big on being an open book. And like, I'm, I'm big on like putting that out there and letting people know like, this is where I'm coming from. This is what I've learned from this situation because I know that my, my situation or my circumstances aren't unique and there's always someone else going through it too. So I'm big on building community that way just through shared experience. Yes, yes, and that's true environment right there. Yeah. Um, 
Skittles, where can they find us? Y'all can find us at Ladies Who Brunch on Instagram, at Ladies Brunch on Twitter, and at Julissa on Instagram, and at The Real Skittles on Instagram as well. Awesome. Thank you guys so, so much for tuning in today. What a wonderful conversation. Um, and until next time, guys, brunches.